This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It was uh, August 5th, 1983 that Greaves left her mobile home park in Woods Cross and headed to Salt Lake City for a job interview. She took the public bus and made a quick phone call when she arrived. That's the last time anyone heard anything from Graves. The man walking along a path near Highway 89 Frontage Road in Fruit Heights found what appeared to be a human skull and reported it to authorities. Crews searched the area and found more human bones and bits of clothing. Now that the state crime lab has confirmed the bones belong to Greaves, the homicide investigation is officially reopened. The original missing case report was handled exceptionally by Woods Cross. We have a lot of information that is in our hands and we're able to follow up on leads. Davis County Sheriff's Department is pairing with Woods Cross Police Department uh, to reopen this case and look into those leads. They're asking anyone, anyone in the public who may have any information on this missing woman who has now been found, her whereabouts the day she went missing, or even prior to contact Davis County Sheriff's Department. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome to Security Matters, where your security matters most. I'm Paul Violis. This is a CBS News radio production. Today, our monthly Fraternal Order of Police cold case, which comes to us from Woods Cross, Utah. A big thanks to Patrick Yose, National FOP President Joe Gamaldi, Vice President, the entire executive board, and of course, Brent Jacks, the president of the Utah FOP, for bringing us this very, very important case. Today, uh, three extremely important guests, Woods Cross Chief, Woods Cross Lieutenant, and Kathy Spurgeon, our victim's cousin. Today, the case is about Teresa Rose Greaves. Teresa was a spectacular young lady. I'm going to give you a little piece about Teresa, and then we're going to come right into this case. What I ask everyone to understand right now is that cold cases are really, really important as you lean into this. Listen to everything. The names that are mentioned, the location that our victim lived, the, where she went, everything is important. It may spark a memory. We're going to give you another a, a number of times today. We're going to give you information about who to contact if anything rings a bell. I can assure you that the police department from Woods Cross will appreciate any and all information relative to this case. So if anything sparks an interest, I'm going to urge you consistently for the next half hour to please you make sure that, that you contact the police department. Um, as I mentioned, Teresa, Teresa, Teresa is from Voorhees Township in New Jersey where she lived with her grandmother, Mary Greaves. Uh, she moved to Utah approximately between 77 and 80, probably closer to 1980, with friends Bo Kalisi 
and Laura Anderson. And her intent was to become closer and to learn more about the Mormon church and to hopefully one day even meet Donnie Osmond. That was her goal when she left New Jersey as a beautiful young lady and headed out to Utah. Laura Anderson was one of her friends. She got a job at the Utah School for the Deaf and Blind in Ogden, Utah in 1981. She, meaning Laura Anderson, ended up stating that Bo Khaleesi was house-sitting in Ogden for an older couple on an LDS mission, and Teresa would sometimes stay at that house. Again, if anything sparks an interest, lean in on this. Teresa would also stay with someone by the name of Joyce Pardo, P-A-R-D-O-E, who was Laura Anderson's sister-in-law in her apartment across the street from Webster State University. Teresa would occasionally work at the deaf and blind school with Miss Anderson. Teresa moved to Woods Cross on June 1st, 1983, and lived there for two months before she disappeared on August 5th, 1983. From here, I'm going to turn this conversation over to my colleagues, Chief Chad Sof and Lieutenant Adam Asaro from the Woods Cross Police Department to give us the forensics on this case, and we're going to start with going back to, believe it was February 5th, 2015. Gentlemen, take us from there. Okay, first, Paul, I just want to say, this is uh, Chad Soap, as an obligation to the community and to the citizens, we have a, it's our duty to follow up on these cases. So when we get new information, we try to follow up and we try to do interviews and do the best we can. And um, Lieutenant Asoro was a detective in 2013. He reopened this cold case and we followed up some, on some leads there. Then when I became the police chief in January 2019, I said, we need to make this a priority for the family, for the victim herself, and for the community at large that we serve. So I'll let Lieutenant Asoro uh, kind of lead you into the investigation and to some of the background on the case. Copy that. Thanks, Chief. Go ahead, Lieutenant. Uh, so, Paul, February 5th, 2015, um, a, a jogger basically finds uh, a weathered skull that is uh, just, just adjacent to a walking path, a, a sidewalk in Fruit Heights, Utah. Uh, you know, as as any case where remains are, are found, um, you know, the police are called, uh, crime scene um, is made at that location. Um, a few days are spent unearthing these remains. Um, subsequently, these remains and some evidence that was found at the burial site uh, were taken to the Utah State Medical Examiner's Office. Um, you know, and naturally there's, there's media coverage about these remains that have been found. A lot of people were speculating a possible Ted Bundy involvement. Mm -hmm. uh, because of that, uh, at the current time I was the detective, we did have this um, unsolved cold case involving Teresa Greaves. At that time, I took Teresa's dental records down to the medical examiner's office, and four days later we were told that, indeed, the body recovered in Fruit Heights was our victim, Teresa Greaves. Now, take us to that for a second. For our listeners, Lieutenant, uh, a an awful lot of work went into coming to that coming to that conclusion on 12 March from from 5 February. Now your police department pulled out all the stops, conducted every piece of of investigation that they could at that point, and and now they've identified. Now you've identified 12 March, right? You've identified who the victim is. At that point, what does the police department do once you identify who the victim is? 
well, it opens up a, a whole new uh, a whole new list of possible leads. I mean, now we know where she ended up. I mean, for 35 years, she had just disappeared off the face of the earth. We had no idea what happened to her. Uh, nobody had used her social security number. Nobody had used her any of her bank information or personal information. Uh, she literally just vanished. And that all changed in 2015 when we finally found uh, the final resting place of Teresa. So we were uh, we had a lot to follow up on. We had to, uh, you know, re-interview witnesses, re-interview family, uh, re-interview friends, um, and try to at some somehow connect her with Fruit Heights, Utah. Now you've had some expert help on this as well along the way to kind of narrow this path down. And and Lieutenant, I do know that you are, this isn't an active investigation, as the chief was saying, and that there there is some information you're currently pursuing that obviously you can't discuss. Um, for confidentiality reasons, and also because we don't want to compromise the integrity of the investigation. But what can you tell us right now, based on the interviews that you've conducted, based on the direction that you're going right now, um, is there any information that we can share with our listeners that might be able to dial in a little bit more as to what would be helpful for you, locations, names, people you may be looking at, anything? Um, you know, anybody that has any information regarding Teresa uh, and her background, if, if, you know, if you know Teresa, you spent time with Teresa and you have not spoken to the police, please give us a call. Um, we would like to have any information about any of her dealings in uh, Salt Lake City and Ogden. Uh, you know, from, from Weber County to Salt Lake County, uh, she frequented in those areas, and we're just trying to uh, paint a better picture of um, you know, the timeline leading up to her death. And speaking of Teresa, now we know that she disappeared on August the 5th, 1983. It, it was reported on August the 7th by her roommate. Now, was that roommate Laura Anderson, Lieutenant, that reported that? Uh, no, her, her roommate at the time uh, was Patricia Ross. Okay. Patricia is the one who reported Teresa missing. So Patricia Ross reports Teresa missing on August 7th. And what we do know is that Teresa was applying for nanny positions with a couple of local doctors at the time, which she didn't, um, she didn't get hired on. But uh, we also know that she was on her way to a job interview on August the 5th, 83, when she disappeared and she was last seen in Salt Lake City after speaking with a possible employer on a payphone. That is the last time to the file record for everyone listening that we, we last saw this beautiful soul arrive, alive. So to, to that point, we're fortunate to have Teresa's cousin, Kathy Spurgeon, with us. And I asked Kathy um, to join us today because what's so important uh, for us today, certainly for the police department, mostly for the family, but in, in the totality of this particular case, what's so important is for all of you listening right now to take this personally. This is a human being. This is a beautiful soul that disappeared. She deserves justice. Her family deserves an answer. And the only way we can really, really do that is to know more about Teresa. So with us now is Kathy Spurgeon. Kathy, thank you for taking the time to join us. Can you briefly tell us about Teresa? Who was she? What kind of person was she? Well, she was um, a very kind girl. We grew up, she was three years older than me, so we grew up together for a few years before uh, me and my family moved away. And then, of course, her and my grandmother moved back down to South Jersey, but she was a quiet girl. Oh, you know, she loved to read. She, um, 
yes, was into the Oak Ridge Boys and Donny Osmond a lot. And um, she just wanted, she was just full of life. And I, I remember her always saying that she couldn't wait to get married and start her family. So when, after she graduated and she moved to Utah, a lot of us were shocked about that, but then it wasn't too much of a shocker because of what her dreams were and her goals were to be, you know, to be like Donnie Osmond and the Mormon family. Um, but she was, like I said, she was just, you know, full of life. That had to she be was somewhat, a person. right? I mean, Kathy, that had to be, I mean, you live in Jersey, you move to Utah. Not everybody does that, right? Um, no, exactly. Right. But you, but now a little bit about the Mormon church. Now you're her cousin, you're close with her. Um, Mormon church isn't real big in, in Jersey. No, yeah, not at all. Right. No. So is there anything that you could share with us about something that maybe sparked in Teresa that brought her that, 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 that curiosity, that affection that, you know, towards the church and, you know, obviously Donnie Osmond, I can't imagine how many girls didn't like him, but, but the church itself. Well, I, that I'm really not sure about. All I know is because of Donnie Osmond, she wanted to, you know, go out there. And I think she, I think she wanted to get into the Mormon to be more like his family. It could be that. Um, but I know when she moved out there with her roommate, I don't know if that had something to do with it. You know, I know when she graduated high school, she moved out with one of her high school friends. So I, that I'm really not sure because I graduated in 81 and she was already out in Utah. So okay. when she moved to Utah, you know, we ha we didn't even speak after that. And uh, of course, until she disappeared and then we got all the phone calls. But um, yeah, I'm not really 100% positive. Okay. I think she was more obsessed with Donny Osmond and wanted to be into that kind of religion. Okay. So piggybacking off of that, can you tell us anything about like maybe things she liked to do? Did, was she a big coffee drinker? Did she go to coffee houses? Did she, did she like, uh, I don't know, any place that she might frequent? Did she like go to movies? Did she, certain kind of music? Anything that may have our listeners start focusing more on places she may have been or people she may have associated with? Well, she did like country music a lot. Like I said, she liked the Oak Ridge Boys a lot, and I'm sure there was other country artists back then, but I'm not sure of who else there was. So as far as coffee shops, that I doubt very much. She wasn't, a, to me, a, a coffee drinker. Um, but she was, you know, sociable in a way when it comes to music and reading. I mean, if there was bookstores out there, she might have hung out in bookstores Okay, too. that's good. All right, so that wouldn't be unlikely if she hung out in bookstores. Right, because she did like to read. Libraries? Did she go to the library at all? Well, back in Jersey she did, but I don't okay. know about Utah. All right. No, but see, this believe it or not, Kathy, this is really important information because all of this can spark one thought from one person that makes one phone call. So everything that you're saying is of critical importance. I, believe me when I tell you. So, Kathy, I want you to stay with me for a minute. I'm going to come back to the detective. I'm going to come back to to, to Lieutenant and the Chief, and I'm going to come back to you before we close. Um, okay, that's fine. Thank okay. you. All right, so just stay with me. Lieutenant, I'm coming back to you on this, right? So we, we've talked about where, um, excuse me, where Teresa came from and, and when she moved and who she was with and, and where she lived. We we kind of cut to the the 
with the disappearance, the discovery, the investigation, uh, the notification, and then the subsequent investigation of her disappearance, the interviews conducted, etc. We've learned a little bit more now, thanks to Kathy, about Teresa. What I'd like to go to now is information regarding the places she lived. Now, from what I understand, she lived in American Fork, she lived in Ogden, she lived in Woods Cross. She didn't live in Woods Cross long, from what I understand, Lieutenant, a couple of months before she disappeared. Uh, is there information that our listeners can, can kind of tune in on here relevant to these particular parts of Utah that something may stick out. There may be a witness that out, that's out there. Like right now, I can tell you based on the information that Kathy just shared, we're going to go and, and make sure we focus on uh, any kind of bookstore or any kind of library or people that may have known her there. But is there anything our listeners need to know about those communities that might spark that phone to ring over at the PD? Well, let, let's briefly go over uh, each location. She moved here, uh, you know, from New Jersey. She lived in American Fork. Um, you know, there she had two roommates. She had Bo Kalazi and a girl named Kathy Clark. Uh, anybody that knew any of these females, Kathy, Teresa, or Bo, uh, please give us a call. They lived in an apartment uh, just shy of 200 West in Main Street in American Fork. Uh, we know that they had multiple friends that lived in American Fork. Uh, we just don't know who they are. Um, after that, we have information that she moved uh, up to Ogden. Um, you know, she had this affiliation with her friends and roommates uh, at the Utah School for the Deaf and Blind. Anybody that may have had any interaction there um, as a, you know, as a student there or a family member, um, you know, Teresa spent time near Weber State University. Anybody that had any information or dealings that can give us um, additional leads, you know, other names that we can look into, um, that would be great. Um, and finally, uh, you know, her involvement in our city. Uh, you know, she she was only in Woods Cross two months, um, but, you know, after reviewing this case, it's very obvious that Teresa Greaves had a, a pretty significant impact on a lot of people's lives. She was a, a beautiful, caring girl uh, who took the time to... Um, you know, write people letters. If she met them at a, at a concert, she would stay in touch with them. Um, our case file is filled with many, many letters uh, of pen pals that Teresa wrote, and, you know, she struck a chord with them. Um, so we know that there's a lot of people uh, who had their lives touched by Teresa, and, and you know, we want to speak with you again. We think that, uh, you know, accumulation of these tips is ultimately going to lead to the person responsible for her killing. Excellent. That, that, that's a great sit rep, Lieutenant. I really appreciate that. I'm going to cut real quickly now to my audience, and I'm going to ask you to, to, to stop for a second. I want you to pause. Remember, we, this information is going to go out through the, the, throughout the CBS News Radio Network. It's going to come out through our podcast. We're going to blow this up on social media. I'm asking everyone to stop and think about everything that you just heard, the names that were mentioned, the locations that were mentioned, what Kathy said about what Teresa liked to do. She liked to read. She liked to write. She liked country music. All of this, ladies and gentlemen, is critical. And I can't emphasize that enough. This young woman deserves justice. Her family deserves some peace. The police department is working tirelessly at getting this done. And the purpose of this show is to make sure that we serve to serve them. So I'm calling upon everybody right now to really think hard 
about everything you just heard. I'm going to give you some contact information in a second. But Kathy, before we close, uh, on behalf of your family and God rest her soul, on behalf of Teresa Rose Greaves, what is your message that you would like to leave with our audience? We just want to know who did this and why. It's been many years have gone by and, uh, you know, thankfully her, you know, her remains were found. So we have a little closure, but we want more closure on the fact on who did it. And hopefully they're still alive so they can be prosecuted and brought to justice because she didn't deserve this. She was full of life and she had goals out there in Utah. And she didn't get a chance to do any of that, never get married, no children, none of that. So somebody took not just her away from us, but took her away from the world. Hopefully uh, this will help. We certainly hope so, Kathy. And we'll get justice. Thank yeah, you for that. I hope so, too. And Lieutenant Chief, I'm coming back to you now before we close for the day. One, uh, your message your mess. And I think, Chief, you, you, you hit the cover off the ball in the beginning, and it was so important that we, we're going to reiterate that now about Woods Cross PD and your mission and what, what the police department's doing, what police departments do in this case. We don't give up. We're not giving up. You're not. You know, the pedal to the metal is on this thing. But your message, Chief, Lieutenant, your message to our listeners across this network, what do you want them to know? And then number two, equally as important, or maybe even more important, who do they call? What is the number? How do they get in touch with you? What are the forms of communication they can get in touch with you at? Because we want people to start getting in touch with you. What's your message? Paul, our message is we know that Teresa Greaves made a phone call from in front of the trailer park on 500 South in Woods Cross, about 900 West. We pinpointed her there, and she was heading to Salt Lake City to the roadway in on North Temple to a job interview that we could not confirm she ever made it to. So... We think that she made it to Salt Lake City. Something happened in Salt Lake, and um, that's that we're we're not positive on that, but we're pretty sure that's what happened. And then she was either murdered in Salt Lake or murdered up here in Fruit Heights, where her body was located. And somebody had to see either a young woman struggling with some people or her getting pushed into a car, a van, whatever. There's somebody out there that has information about this. They either talk to the suspects or they heard about it as people will talk and we want to hear from them. We want them to contact us at the Woods Cross Police Department and our office phone number is 801-292-4422. They can ask for Lieutenant Acero, they can ask for Chief Soap or either any of our detectives that are currently working in the department and they can pass that information along to us. We really, truly want to try to solve this for the family. We want to try to solve it for this poor young lady who didn't deserve to spend more years up on the hill on the side of the mountain than she spent on this earth. And we want to, we want to make this right and solve this case if we can. And we need your help, and we'd appreciate any tips that somebody out there might have. Well said. Thank you, Chief. Do you, is there an email address? Is there uh any social media platforms that, that you guys have? Anything other than the phone number? I just want to make sure I have everything. Yes, we have started an Instagram page, Teresa Greaves Cold Case, to take leads on. And we also have a Facebook page, Teresa Greaves Cold Case, that we're uh, monitoring and, and putting information out on. So either one of those platforms. Um, the best email, uh, the easiest to remember is chief at woodscross.com. 
and that'll come directly to me, and I'll disperse the information to my detectives. Can't ask for more than that, Chief. Lieutenant, anything from you before we close? Uh, no, I think the Chief summed it up. Um, we just we want the public's help in uh, you know, getting some justice for Teresa and her family. Excellent. Before we close, um, I, of course, Chief, I want to thank you, Lieutenant, you, and, and Kathy, of course, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. And, and I will close with this, ladies and gentlemen. Um, our, our mission here, one, in the macro sense, by, by our monthly cold cases and a great appreciation to the FOP for bringing us Woods Cross PD, is to make sure that we marry the power of what the media has in distribution and our ability in the media to send out to a large group of people information that's critical. The biggest mission here is in cases like this. Teresa Rose Greaves was not just robbed from her family, but as Kathy said, she was robbed from this world. And someone did this. Now, you should be as appalled as I am that someone did this and they're walking around. And I will guarantee you this, 40 years in this business, at least one person, if not more, know who killed Teresa Greaves. And it's up to all of us right now to listen to this information. There's going to be a case summary posted up on the website. There's going to be contact information. It's up to us to get involved here because Teresa deserves justice. Her family deserves full closure. And the police department is coming to you and saying, we really need your help. Now it's time for us to do that. So I ask you to please take all this information. We're going to be reaching out on social media. This is going to be distributed throughout the CBS News Radio platform. And we are going to make sure also you go to violas.com and you go to our FOP page, the cold case page, and there will be information regarding this case summary. We are going to put this thing out. We need your help on behalf of everyone here at CBS News Radio and certainly at Security Matters. Wish everybody a great week and please get involved in this. Teresa Rose Greaves. She deserves it. Have a good week. Be safe, be well. God bless. Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violis. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Deviadaris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.